Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 22 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys today. Uh, We have our cultivation topic about caterpillars and a ton of grow Q&A for you guys. Uh, We know you guys love the listener questions and answers. And so this episode is packed with grow Q&A, all brought to you by Excelsior Extracts. We don't have an interview this week, but we have a very grow-heavy show for you guys. Stick around. Episode 22, coming at you. All right. Welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Winstrong has an incredible new tune out you guys should check out. Um, terpenes. So check that out. Well, actually, do you want to do you want to play a little of that and give the listeners a taste? Yeah, why don't we do that? That would be awesome. Uh, Windstrong terpenes. Check it out. Terpenes in a Terpenes in a Pass me the dochi for my mana priya mele. Pass me the dochi for my mana priya. Terpenes in a mi steam chalice. Terpenes in a mi steam chalice. Watch out the wicked a panic. Herbalists a bundy chronic. Belly puffing a japonic. Pull up looking for bobanic. Delica weed. Supersonic. 24 faces so heady. Give me the eye grab. All right, what do you guys think? Send us an email. Winstrong coming with the tune right there. Terpenes. You guys should definitely uh, check his stuff out. Um, where, where could people find that? Yeah, yeah, that's on YouTube. Just search for Winstrong Terpenes and uh, enjoy the song. Enjoy the incredible vibes from from our friend Winstrong, man. Yes, 100% good stuff. Speaking of cool, we have a very cool episode, I believe. Uh, No interview this week, but in place of that, uh, we're doing sort of an extended uh, cultivation segment. Yes, I think people want to people want to hear the grow tips and so we got a bunch of them for you guys this week we'll have an interview you know next week and and in following weeks as well but uh you know sometimes we just want to get the info out to the masses yeah listener grow questions so definitely uh, stick around for that but but before we jump in to the grow uh we should probably just talk about a couple of news things that that are happening at the moment yes indeed a couple of things happening in New York where we live, which I believe are interesting. Um, and in New York, uh, we haven't actually legalized cannabis yet um, because we're idiots and we just haven't done it. But um, decriminalization was was expanded last year. And part of that plan included automatic expungements. And so uh, since then, over 150,000 people have automatically had their cannabis conviction records expunged. But the new thing that New York is doing, and I want to get your take on this, is they're offering anyone who, you know, had a a minor marijuana conviction record, they're offering them the opportunity to have those records completely destroyed. And so if you don't know, expungement seals your conviction so people can't see it, um, you know, it's there, it, it still exists, but people aren't allowed to, to see it, to hold that against you. But if you have it completely destroyed, it will literally be as if that never happened. And so there may not be a ton of functionality to that, but there has to be some level of catharsis or justice in the world to have it destroyed. What, what's your take on this complete destruction of pot conviction records? I like it. <laughs> I think it's great. 
I think, uh, honestly, I'm a little bit radical, but I think the people should be allowed to physically destroy those documents themselves. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah. Like, actually, just, like, light them on fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, burn them as a cathartic. I don't know if that cathartic. would get rid of the records, though. They're probably online. All right, well, then... They should uh, just bash the, yes, the computers. Yes, like Office Space. They should just get, right. like, a... They should give them, you know, the hard drive, and they should just be able to, <laughs> like, smash it with a sledgehammer. I think that would be very cathartic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it would be helpful for everyone involved, you know, and I think it's important that, you know, I mean, we're making light of it, but the truth is, you know, those type of things on your record can really affect your ability to work, your ability to get, you know, transplants, your ability to uh, adopt children. I mean, there's just so many things that can be affected by these, you know, blights on your criminal record and i just think you know it's it's so ridiculous to have uh any sort of criminal record for people that have been convicted of cannabis crimes it's 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 outrageous and so i'm, I'm glad that they they want to destroy those records rather than just you know hide them uh and i think you know it's a big step in the right direction yeah so i think you know expungement is an a uh, a very necessary and urgent thing the destruction one may not be, but I really want to see it kind of picked up. I love it. Yeah. So another uh, kind of interesting story that's happening here in New York, this time uh, upstate, is that a, um, a state-of-the-art uh, cannabis and hemp testing laboratory has opened on the site of a former medium-security prison. So essentially, you know, a place that used to house people convicted of drug crimes is now uh, housing this this testing facility that's going to check for potency and safety of hemp and cannabis products. That's awesome. And, you know, we used to joke about this. I used to get asked a lot, you know, like, uh, you know, what are we going to do with all the jails when uh, <laughs> if we release all these cannabis, you know, nonviolent cannabis prisoners, you know, all these prison guard unions upstate, you know, are, are, are up in arms because what are we going to do with these empty cells? I said, you know, turn them into grow rooms. <laughs> Simple as that. You know, you're gonna you're gonna turn a negative into a positive. You're gonna you know have this space that's already segmented and you know uh, regimented and separated into these different you know sections. And you just put up some lights, uh, grow some plants in there, put those guards to work doing that. You know, and uh, <laughs> I used to joke about it, but here yeah, we're getting closer. Real. I know Damian Marley had a um, right. similar right. situation out in California a few. Back, where he took a, um, a, a you know an abandoned prison, I think, and, and turned that into a grow space. So, you know, that's the thing people worry about. Like, what is this going to do to the economy? It's it's only a boost to the economy, and all you have to do is look at Colorado. I mean, drive down the road in Denver, and then come here in, to New York and drive down the road, and you will see the difference in what those Wait, cannabis are you, taxes. Are you on the potholes again? Yeah, it's is crazy. This pot for potholes, pot yeah. for potholes, man. Yeah. It's crazy that the, the roads are better, the schools are better, uh, and all that is due to cannabis money. So let's make use of it. Let's put it into our system. Yeah, well, this is up in uh, the town of Warwick, upstate, and and the, the former prison site is actually sort of a hub for hemp businesses, because again, we don't have legal cannabis in New York, but there is a, a hemp industry, and Warwick wants to attract these businesses so businesses like Fusion CBD, uh, Honeybuzz, and uh, Sativa Medical LLC—they're—they're they're all in this area, and now this new state-of-the-art lab. And um, yeah, and then just one more before we get into our cultivation uh, discussion. And this is this is a bit of a sad one, maybe, but um, you remember our old friend uh, Kevin Sabet from Smart Approaches to Marijuana, and I use the the term friend uh, ironically there. Yeah, I mean, he's got me blocked on social media, so oh, I sure guess he he's not a friend. No. Uh, yes, I do remember Kevin. I've debated him uh, a number of times on uh, on a few different things. He's bought and paid for by, you know, anti-cannabis interests. Yes, but pretends to be a open-minded and um, reasonable human being. He is He is not. But his, his group, uh, for people who don't know, is called Smart Approaches to Marijuana. It's uh, often referred to as SAM. And they oppose uh, legalization efforts across the country. So wherever uh, a legalization effort crops up in, in a state, they go there, they spend a bunch of money, they spread misinformation, 
and they try to kill the bill. And they've been somewhat successful. Obviously, they failed uh, a lot because a lot of states have legalized, but they, they, they do make their presence felt. So right now, uh, uh, one of the hot spots in the Northeast is Vermont, because Vermont is passing a lot of pro-cannabis uh, legislation, or at least contemplating it, and they're probably going to start sales soon. And so uh, smart approaches to marijuana there is, of course, um, trying to, to shut that down. And what they did most recently is they sent out a mailer. And uh, the mailer, basically on the front, it said uh, the environmental impacts of marijuana include uh, invasive species, allergies, energy use, and water pollution. And then on the back, it said Vermonters have worked hard to protect and preserve the natural beauty of our state. Cannabis grows create toxic environments for wildlife and sportsmen. And then under that is a collage of photos of dead animals. And so above that, and this is where it gets a little sketchy, they print the personal cell phone number of House Speaker Mitzi Johnson. And they encourage anyone who gets this mailer that's been riled up by associating uh, legal cannabis with dead animals to call Mitzi's uh, personal cell phone. So what wow. do you think of this tactic? I think it's awful. Uh, I think it's disingenuous. And I think it's despicable. And uh, it just goes to show how uh, desperate these, you know, prohibitionists are, you know, and how invalid their arguments are. Uh, cannabis farms are not at all like that and especially legal cannabis farms right. aren't even close and uh i mean that's ridiculous invasive species i mean that's outrageous only someone who knows nothing could have written that and uh only someone who's you know strictly doing something for completely political purposes without any sort of uh you know research or anything would say anything like that it's called lysenkoism it's when you're using science uh to gain some type of political goal and it goes back to uh you know the soviet russia days lysenko was a scientist who did this in russia in the soviet union and uh it's since been denounced by all scientists and uh you know it's just awful that um you know these prohibitionists will resort to almost any any tactic to lie and make sure that people you know, to muddy the waters as far as, you know, what people believe. And I, but I think the people of Vermont are much smart, smarter than that. I think they, they understand that pot growing, especially in a place like Vermont, you know, the green mountain state, uh, you know, that pot growing goes hand in hand, um, with conservation and environmentalism and healing the land and building better soil. You know, I have a recommendation, you know, Kiss the Soil on Netflix just came out. It's narrated by our old friend uh, uh, Woody Harrelson, and it's an incredible uh, film about how soil conservation and, you know, re replenishing the soil can be the solution and one of the only solutions to our climate change issues, to uh, repairing the damage that's been done by industrial farming. So, you know, cannabis is a huge part of that and uh, can play a major role. And so, you know, anything that comes out of Kevin Sabet and, and Sam and, and all that, it's always suspect. It just goes back to the dumb propaganda that from the 70s and 80s about this is your brain on drugs. And, you know, and, and it's just an updated version of that same awful propaganda. So, you know, yeah, we should we should also mention uh, just to be clear, it's not unusual for a mailer to encourage uh, people to contact an elected representative with, uh, you know, an opinion on their policy. It's the fact that it was the personal cell phone number that was printed on this. I think that's a little bit outrageous, in addition to the specious arguments that are that are also on the mailer. But that's what smart approaches to marijuana and Kevin Sabet do. We should come to expect it. Um, that's Agreed. a little bit. Yeah, that's Agreed. a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world of weed right now. But uh, we have a ton of cultivation info to get into, so so maybe we should just do that. Yes. Why don't we take a short break, and we'll come back with a bunch of grow uh, and cultivation info for you guys.
Hey, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible THC-infused relief rub. Uh, and now this stuff really works. And uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast, and she needs very, very strong topicals. Uh, so the relief rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts, all one word. Uh, DM them for info on the relief rub if you're interested and uh, give them a follow. Uh, they're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. Hey, all right. We are back and uh, I believe we are in the cultivation segment portion of the show. Yeah, man, we jumped right to cultivation, but we have quite a bit to talk about. Yes, yes, and I think we're uh, going to be grow heavy. We which are. Is always good as you yeah. approach harvest time. Yeah, and we have quite a few uh, uh, cultivation questions that uh, our listeners sent in that we're going to get to in this episode. But before we go there, uh, you have a grow topic that you'd like to um, explore a little bit more here, right? Yes, absolutely. I want to talk about caterpillars. Um, this is something, these are, you know, an insect that attacks cannabis plants, uh, pretty much throughout the life of the plant. Um, you will notice, uh, tunnels inside the flowers. If the plants are flowering, uh, you'll notice droppings. You'll notice, uh, cut leaves, leaves that look like they've been chewed up. Uh, and so this is a, you know, if you get a large colony of caterpillars, it can be a serious problem. And uh, it's also, you know, it's not just the damage that they do to the leaves and to the flowers by chewing on them. Uh, it's also they, they leave droppings and tunnels and the, those things become uh, places for mold. And that can be a really big issue. Uh, and, you know, they'll attack inside a greenhouse. They'll attack outdoor plants. Not so much indoor plants. Uh, we don't see a lot of caterpillar infestations uh, in indoor gardens, but you know, a lot of people have uh, outdoor plants and you want to avoid the serious damage that caterpillars can do. So um, the easiest thing you can do is obviously plucking off any visible caterpillars uh, and then cutting out any sort of damage that they've caused. So if you see tunnels, uh, if you see droppings or whatever that might be, use, use scissors and, and prune all of that out. Um, because those droppings and tunnels uh, will, will lead to mold and bud rot, that will very quickly spread throughout your plants. Uh, you know, you really need to cut that out and make sure that doesn't spread even when the caterpillars are gone. Um, you know, some people also recommend spraying your leaves with neem oil as a preventative. Uh, but you know, neem oil has become, uh, out of fashion and unf you know, unfavored by cannabis growers. It really does a job, uh, on the leaves. It really coats them with oil and gives them a, a, that neem oil flavor that's kind of hard to hard to get out. So, um, you know, maybe you just want to spray a little bit on the surface of the soil. That could help discourage them from actually getting onto your plants because they're gonna they're crawlers at that point. Um, they have to crawl up the stem. Only later do they, uh, you know, become beautiful butterflies or whatever it is that they they morph into. Um, some growers like to keep chickens around their plants uh, or encourage, you know, ducks and other birds to visit their gardens. Birds love to eat caterpillars. Uh, so, you know, if you can have chickens, <laughs> that's a great way uh, to discourage caterpillars and other bugs. I mean, they'll eat a lot of the bugs that eat your plants. And, you know, for the most part, they'll leave your plants alone. Um, chickens are pretty dumb. Uh, and they basically just walk around looking for food and, and, you know, scratching the earth and things like that. So... You know, they will eat caterpillars and other pests without doing damage to your plants. Um, and then, you know, thirdly, there's a product called BT, uh, which stands for Bacillus thuringiensis. Uh, it's basically, you know, like a, a bacteria that works to kill caterpillars. Um, it works as an insecticide, but it doesn't harm uh, beneficial insects. So if you have, uh, you know, praying mantises or ladybugs or, or any of the other beneficials around, um, the BT doesn't hurt them, but it will help kill kill the caterpillars. So um, those are a few different things you can do if you notice caterpillar damage on your cannabis plants. All right. 
makes sense. So yeah, you uh, you want to get rid of those, even though they do eventually become very very pretty uh, butterflies. <laughs> they're nice. But- yeah, and once they're butterflies, I mean, wow, they're just gorgeous. Let them fly around and 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 you know. But they'll never get there if you're if you're killing them. Well, you want to discourage them. Let's put it that way. Let's encourage them to, you know, move along and become butterflies somewhere else. Fair. Uh, and then, you know, if they want to return as butterflies and, and just sort of flutter around your garden, uh, that's okay. You know? Right. But if as they're not the eating crop, your plants. Yeah, they brought it on themselves. So, okay. Uh, all right. So thank you for that uh, grow tip. And uh, now we should probably take a couple of questions from listeners. And uh, if you are a listener who has a grow question, uh, please do send it to us. You could email us at info at growbudyourself.com. You could also find us on uh, socials, on Patreon, on YouTube. So let's jump right in here with our first uh, email. It's SMG420 who writes, Hi, Grow Bud Yourself team. A big fan from the UK. A question for you. Uh, as you know, we have strict laws here, so we uh, we have to be secretive with our grows. I am currently growing in a poorly insulated attic loft space in a 1x2 meter tent uh, with big temperature variations. I can only grow in the winter as it's too hot in the summer. Do you have any tips to grow successfully in a loft space? So what, what would you say? Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um. I mean, the first one, obviously, is if you can bring in air conditioning... Uh, that will obviously help you deal with the heat uh, if there's that issue with heat in the summer. Um, if you just want to take the summer off, some growers do that. You know, some people just don't want to deal with the heat, and that's the time that they take to, uh, you know, vacation or you know, get away. Uh, if you know, or just take a break. Um, if not, uh, you know, if it's poorly insulated, as you mentioned, uh, that your attic or loft space is. I would say, you know, consider insulating it as well. I mean, uh, it can't hurt to get up there and, uh, you know, again, environmental control is so important when it comes to growing and keeping that temperature and the humidity in the right parameters is, you know, it's the difference between successful harvests and, uh, you know, supreme frustration. So anything you can do to control environment, which, you know, obviously temperature, and humidity are the biggest factors of, uh, you know, that's what you can do. And, and, you know, again, some people have issues, you know, if you're up high like that, uh, and it's a poorly insulated loft space, um, and it's a pretty small tent, you know, you're going to have issues with heat. Uh, anything you can do to cool those issues down would be great if you can have space heaters, I mean, uh, air conditioning, uh, in, in the, summer and space heaters in the winter that can help even things out uh humidifiers dehumidifiers when needed uh you really just want to be able to control that environment and if the attic or loft space is uncontrollable environmentally you may need to look into a different place for your grow tent all right makes sense uh thank you smg420 and uh, that smg stands for southern motorway grower thank you for listening um let's move on here to Cannabiformin, cannabiformin, is that right? Cannabiformin. Cannabiformin? I don't know. Okay. Let's move on to Cannabiformin, who writes, uh, Hello, Dan and Mike. Quick question about hand-watering my plants in four-inch rock wool and mesh pots in a hydro system before roots touch water. How much newt water would you use per wet-dry cycle? If you need more information... Uh, they're in the very early veg cycle from seed, about four to six weeks in. All help is much appreciated. And uh, thanks again to the best cannabis podcast in the world. So uh, what, what would you say there? Huh, that's an interesting question. How much newt water uh, would you use per wet dry cycle? Um, four inch rock wool cubes and mesh pots. I would say, you know, two cups to... Uh, I guess maybe a half gallon or so at that point. I mean, because you're hand watering the plants uh, and you want that wet and dry cycle, you want to mix your newts up first. Uh, you know, I would, I like to use a gallon basically because, you know, if you have, if you're just talking about one plant, you know, I would say 
maybe you can mix up less, but it says plants here, so I'm assuming you have more than one. So I would say mix up a gallon, take a gallon of water, let it sit out for you know overnight just to dissipate any chlorine or other things that might be there. Then add your nutrients to it, um, you know, mild nutrients. Then check the pH, uh, which it seems that you've done here because you did say 380 ppm and 5.9 pH. So, um, you know, mix up a gallon and then hand water the plants in your four inch rockwool cubes. And then, uh, you know, whatever runoff runs off is fine. Uh, and when those cubes begin to dry out again, uh, water again. Uh, but, you know, if you're worried about wasting water, you can save nutrient water for a few days uh, as long as, you know, you don't do anything crazy with it, put it out in the sun or anything. So um, I would say, you know, mix up a gallon of newts, uh, you know, of water plus your nutrient solution, check the pH, and then use that water. Make sure it's not too cold or too hot, and uh, you should be fine. All right. And uh, he actually has a, a follow-up question here um, about where to place the humidifier so should it be as close to the plants as possible, i.e. inside the grow box or tent, or just anywhere in the room? Um, you know, I would say in most cases you just want it anywhere in the room because, you know, the humidity level is going to even even itself out within the room and work its way into your grow box. Uh, but, you know, if humidity is a huge issue and it's really low, you may want to consider moving the humidifier into the room or at least having it blowing into the tent at any time that you can have that. Uh, you really want the humidity, depending on, you know, what stage of plant life you're in, between 40 and 60 or so, 40 and 50 or so uh, relative humidity percentages. Uh, and so if it's really low, if it's like 10 or 20, you may need to place that humidifier closer. But if you notice that, you know, it evens out at around 40 or 50 with the humidifier in the room with your tent, uh, then that's fine. You don't want right. it blowing right directly onto the plants is, is what I'm trying to get at. Okay, very good. Uh, thanks again, Cannabis for Men. And uh, let's move here to Guru Fresh, who writes, uh, Hey, Danny and Mike, long-time fan. I was just skimming through some free weed episodes, and I heard someone mention veganic growing methods and how even the safest organic method felt harsh after switching to veganic. I'm constantly looking for the healthiest way to even grow food. So my question is, is this still a viable method to grow weed and or veggies, or is it dated? Also, how is the smoke? Do these methods make it less potent? Uh, thanks uh, for continuing to show us the way. So what would you say to Guru Fresh? Yes, uh, I'm assuming you probably heard about veganics from uh, our uh, frequent guest, Kyle Cushman, uh, who has a veganic line of nutrients called Vega Matrix um, that he put out. Uh, we also have Sweet Leaf, uh, S-U-I-T-E, Sweet Leaf, which is an almost uh, veganic system uh, with just a, a tiny amount, I think 1% or 2% synthetics. And I think even, even Kyle's system has a little bit of synthetics that you absolutely just can't get from a veganic system. But veganic basically means it's beyond organic. So organic can include... Things like bat guano, uh, seabird guano, which are poops, uh, blood meal, bone meal, which are products that come out of the um, slaughterhouse industries, uh, liquid fish, also you know a byproduct of uh, the f you know fishing industries, and things like you know crab shells and shrimp shells, and and so veganic basically removes all of the animal byproducts. Uh, so you're using things like. Um, like liquid seaweed, uh, and you know that's a major part of veganics is obviously um, you know seaweed and plant-based nutrients. So you know there's a lot of different ways to take grasses and rye and all these things and turn them into nutrients. They're usually pretty mild, uh, which is actually a good thing for growing cannabis. As far as affecting potency, it certainly doesn't make it less potent. Uh, and how is the smoke? The smoke is incredible. Uh, you know, as long as you don't overfeed, you're going to get great smoke from almost any nutrient, really. But if you're feeding veganically, it's very difficult to overfeed. So if you're making things like oxygenated compost teas, uh, adding stuff, you know, adding, um, you know, fresh compost that's cured and ready to go into that uh, tea 
brewing that tea, creating um, all that millions and billions of uh, microbes and beneficial bacteria that results when you do that, you end up with a, just a really safe, uh, you know, non-harsh and almost entirely veganic feeding system. And again, this this works with uh, veggies and, and plants as well. You know, it just ends up with a cleaner product. And so it certainly isn't, uh, you know, anything that's dated. Uh, and, you know, it certainly does not affect potency. If anything, it just makes for a cleaner burning product. Um, and the difference is in the burnability. You know, you don't have that charcoal burning kind of feeling. You don't, uh, it, you can taste what the, the strain should taste like even halfway down or or two-thirds of the way down a joint rather than having to relight the joint over and over. And you get a nice clean white ash um, that's wispy. And that's what you're really looking for, uh, even more so than you know, weight or trichomes or anything else. You just want that clean burn. And if you, you, if you can achieve that, you know, you get a really great flower. And, you know, if you want to call it veganic, you can. Uh, it's just uh, a wonderful way to create cleaner cannabis. All right. So thank you for the question, Guru Fresh. We hope you give that a, a shot. Um, all right. So let's move to Denny who writes, Hi, Danny and Mike. Uh, just started listening to your show a few weeks ago, and I can't get enough now. I'm on episode 40 of Free Weed and going hard, and I finished Grow Bud Yourself within a few days. Wow. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, I have lots of questions, but I'll start with this one. I'm trying to decide between a BC grow box and a tent setup. Uh, the comparable grow box is 4.5 feet by 4.5 feet, and it's going to be around $3,000, the tent setup is a 4x4 and will be around $1,700. I'm a beginner grower, and I'm interested in growing the finest quality indoors while using my own organic nutrients, including worm castings and compost tea. I'm really only interested in growing in soil. So uh, what would you choose, and which will I be most satisfied with for years to come? Uh, keep up the amazing show, guys. I've never learned so much so fast. So what would you say to Denny? Wow. Okay. Well, that's an interesting question. And it really kind of, uh, you know, it goes to what kind of grower you want to be basically. So, um, the four and a half by four and a half, uh, BC grow box is three grand. The tent setup, which is four by four is 1700. Um, the grow box is going to come with a lot of bells and whistles, right? So for your, for your extra, you know, 1300 that you're spending, you know, almost double of what you're spending on the tent, you're getting, touchscreen technology, you're getting full automation, you're getting also stuff you might not be interested in because you want to grow in soil with organic nutrients and worm castings, compost tea and all that. Uh, you know, you're going to be getting a hydro system that certainly doesn't rely on that. Now there's ways to get the grow tent, uh, the grow box without the hydro system. If you call BC Northern Lights and say, Hey, you know, I just want to grow in buckets and hand water, they will lower that price. So you'll get, you know, hopefully you'll get uh, a drop from the 3000 if you're pulling out some of the components that come with that grow box. Um, now with the tent setup, uh, there's advantages, advantages to that as well. I mean, it, one person sets it up, uh, it comes in a box that looks like, you know, any regular Amazon delivery, you know, a, a grow box is going to show up, you know, more like something that comes on a pallet with a truck you know being delivered and having to go upstairs and or ladder you know not ladders but you know uh, elevators and things so it's going to be more like you know receiving an appliance um and so that can be a concern for people as well you know just how that thing arrives uh but again the the box is like a lamborghini it's got touchscreen technology it's got everything automated it's got exhaust built in it's got uh, environmental controls. It's going to understand, um, you know, what the temperatures and everything is inside of it and adjust accordingly once you, you know, you have those settings in there. Um, the other thing is, you know, uh, the box is very, very simple to control. When you get the tent, you know, a lot of times the tents, you know, especially if you're going to be spending 1700 it's going to come with fans. It's going to come with charcoal filtration. It's going to come with lighting. Um 
So, you know, it's really up to you. You know, my recommendation in, in most cases is the tent setup because, you know, I live in New York City. I can't have, you know, a delivery of a big, huge grow box at my apartment, you know, but, but a box that shows up maybe 60, 70 pounds, you know, from Amazon or whatever, that's not going to create any kind of worry or interest. And I'm not sure exactly where you're located, but, you know, depending on where you are, you don't want to arouse that kind of, uh, you know, suspicion or curiosity among neighbors or, you know, delivery people or whatever it might be. So, Again, there's advantages. Obviously, the grow box is more of a turnkey setup. You know, once you get that box in the apartment, you set it up, you start growing. You know, you're 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 already, you know, everything's automated and 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 set to go. Um, you know, with the tent, you're going to need to do some some more setup. You're going to need to you know put the tent up, set up the lighting. You know, basically put it all together. Uh, once it's all together. You know, you can have just the five-gallon buckets that I always recommend with holes cut in the bottom. You can do your soil with worm casting, castings and compost tea and all that. Um, as far as how long you'll be satisfied for years to come, I mean, I'm not sure where you're buying the tent from. But, you know, BC Northern Lights, you can call them. Uh, they have incredible customer service. They're going to tell you, you know, if you have any kind of problems, you can call them and they're going to give you ways to fix that problem. Um so there are advantages to spending the extra money. So uh, it's hard to really decide, you know, on which space. The four four and a half by four and a half is going to give you a little more space. Uh, the four by four tent probably won't get quite as hot as the box will potentially. So those are all different things that you need to consider uh, in that choice between you know grow box and tent setup. All right. Uh, yeah, there are there are a lot of factors that go into that, including where you are located. So, um, yeah, we hope that helps you out, though, Denny, and uh, let us know what you end up going with. And let's move to Reefer Franklin. So uh, last week, listeners might remember, we were discussing a, um, a, a the first uh, ad in High Times. It was a mushroom kit, um, and that was from Homestead Books. And last week, we promised that, that we would uh, tell people who is carrying on this tradition of selling these mushroom kits now uh, because Homestead Books is no longer functioning. So, Reefer Franklin uh, did our work for us. And he writes, Hey, Danny and Mike, uh, it is indeed true that Homestead Book Company ceased production in 2017, but I have a suggestion for a similar product. Sacred Three Mushrooms sells kits, and it's run by a Colorado cannabis grower named Tanasi of uh, Tanasi Gardens. So it's all being kept in the craft cannabis grower community. So thank you, Reefer Franklin, for that. Have you, have you heard of this? I have not, um, but it sounds really interesting, and I'm going to take a look at these. Um, he's got sacred3mushrooms.com, uh, sacred um, at Tanasi, T-A-N-A-S-I Gardens, and at sacred3mushrooms on Instagram. So thank you to Reefer Franklin, um, a.k.a. the Philosopher Stoned. Uh, he also says Sensi Eerly, <laughs> yes. which is great. Um, so I'm going to check that out. Tanasi Gardens. That sounds interesting. And we should have a mushroom grower on the show at some point in the future. I, th you know, I think uh, we know a few perfect candidates for that. We do know a surprising number of people that, that would be good for that. So, yeah. Let's do that. We'll we'll do a little uh, grow shrooms yourself for a week. See how that see how that works. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should consume some shrooms for the show. See how that goes. Even better. Yeah. yeah. That sounds exciting. Do a right. whole show on shrooms. Yeah. Like on shrooms, but also on shrooms. Like on shrooms, but on shrooms. <laughs> but have you ever done a show on shrooms? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, uh, Reefer Franklin. Uh, we're very lazy, but we did want to cover that, and so we appreciate you doing that for us. Uh, let's jump to Jamie, who writes, uh, Hi, guys. I'm absolutely loving the podcast. So much awesome information in each episode, and you guys are some cool motherfuckers. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, of course. You guys are That's some awesome. cool motherfuckers. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. Uh, currently, I have four Northern Lights uh, auto flowers in my 80 by 80 centimeter tent. 
Is that right? That seems small. How big is that? What's a centimeter? Centimeter is a form of measurement used. Like a half an inch or something? Centimeters. It sounds like a pretty small tent, but it's not probably not that small. 80 by 80 centimeters. It's 31 inches. So, yeah. So approximately three by three. Two and a half feet. Okay. So, thanks for bearing with us, guys. We're Americans. (laughs) Yeah. The only time we mess with the metric system is when we're weighing out things. Right. (laughs) All right. Uh, So currently I have four Northern Lights autoflowers in my 80 by 80 centimeter tent. (laughs) As they uh, grow, I applied low stress training and they are pretty much filling the entire grow of the 80 by 80 space, which is awesome. Uh, My question is regarding yields. I'm from the UK where sadly it's still illegal. So I don't want to risk increasing the size of my grow setup just in case I get busted. Uh, Anything up to nine plants is considered personal use. Uh, I'm trying to decide if growing four plants each time would be better for me than growing uh, more smaller plants using the sea of green method. How many plants would you recommend in that space? I was thinking three rows of three plants, which would leave a little space between for airflow. Uh, Or should I try photoperiod seeds and veg them for longer? Any help would be greatly appreciated and definitely needed keep up the good work so what advice would you have for jamie and his uh, grow space yeah um i would say you know the idea of, of four plants rather than nine plants is probably better in that small of a space um as far as yield goes i mean it really depends on the amount of veg time that you have so if you have your four plants uh and you can have them each each one of those plants in a five gallon bucket or <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know how to convert that over, but yeah. uh, if we can do the con- <laughs> the conversion at some point, um, you know, if you can veg those plants out for a month and and use uh, training techniques, let's say uh, that way, every three months, um, you would probably be getting at least yeah at least two ounces um, a month to smoke between harvest. So you're talking about six ounces every three months. I feel like if you're growing four plants and you give them four weeks of veg time and then eight weeks of flowering time, you will get at least two ounces per plant, which will leave you with eight ounces, uh, which will be well over your six ounce uh, every three months uh, need. So oh, I'm so lost. Uh, There's so many like <laughs> things here, too many numbers and conversion. <laughs> well, basically it's four plants yielding two ounces uh-huh. uh, each okay. every three months. So you're basically getting eight ounces every three months from your, from your 80 by 80 centimeter space. And you know, eight ounces is a half a pound. So um, nothing to shake a stick at. You definitely will get your two ounces a month plus another two ounces you can make into uh, edibles, hash, tinctures, uh, sublingual tablets, suppositories. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of options out there these days. So uh, you can just share them with friends, you know what I mean? So uh, Jamie, thank you. Cheerio. Uh, And yeah, I would say do the four plants. Nine plants in that small of a space you would have to do a shorter veg time. So consider um, maybe two to three weeks of vegetative spa- vegetative stage. Um, so it would take you a little bit less time. Uh, but then you would only be getting, you know, you'd be getting less than an ounce per plant at that point. So I think it's just easier. I mean, I'm also on the lazier side. So it's easier to, to take care of four plants than it is to take care of nine plants, especially in a small space. Uh, and if you're using training techniques, um, such as, you know, a screen of green or, or pretty much any kind of, uh, you know, topping or, um, you know, pruning techniques during the vegging stage, you're going to end up with a decent enough harvest. And I'm sure it, if you can get those two, you can get two ounces out of each plant, but you, you, hopefully you'll get more. Um, so I think that's kind of like a bare minimum. So try the four plants, uh, put them in five gallon containers, give them a month of vegetative time, two months of flowering, and you will get your two ounces a month to smoke between harvests for sure. All right. Very good. Thank you, Jamie. We, we hope that your yield is many stone. Um, 
let's move. We got time for one more here. So let's do uh, Matthew, who writes, "Hey guys, awesome podcast. Keep it going. I learned of your podcast from Excelsior Extracts, our uh, our sponsor." Yeah, shout out Excelsior. Very cool. I'm actually playing in a golf tournament this week, uh, this weekend, for uh, to benefit uh, the original Outcast, our friend Elaine from Excelsior. Oh, nice. um, yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun, and for a great cause. Definitely. So um, I learned of your podcast from Excelsior Extracts. I'm going to start my first indoor grow with a three by three tent. Looking to do two big plants if possible. My question is twofold. I don't want to skimp on lights, and I'm thinking of going with a CMH light with a 4K bulb for veg and 3K red bulb for flower. Is that the best I can do in a 3x3 setup, and do you recommend this? Also, for soil, I was going to do pro mix and add some extra perlite. For nutrients, I was going to go with sweet leaf. Um, is the starter pack best for me while possibly adding their microbes? And uh, when feeding, do you mix all the nutrients together for the time period in a separate water container and add to the plant with additional water or just water and uh, nutrients mixed in? So what would you say to Matthew? Yes. Uh, So Matthew, I I think you're smart to go with the CMH, which is the ceramic metal halide. And, you know, getting the two different bulbs, um, the 4K for veg and the 3K uh, for flower is a great idea. I wouldn't go with a thousand watts, obviously, in a three by three setup. I would say, you know, start with 400 or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, CMHs can come in different, um, like 315 or six, uh, 630. So just don't don't go overboard uh, with the power because CMHs are, are great lights, uh, very efficient. They don't emit a ton of heat, uh, which is really good for HID lighting, high intensity discharge. Um, as opposed to something like a fluorescent or an LED. Um, I love CMH lighting. I think it's great. I think it's a perfect compromise between, um, you know, uh, high pressure sodium or metal halides and, you know, fluorescence and LEDs, which kind of live in different worlds. Um, for soil, you said promix and extra perlite. Uh, sounds great. For nutrients, I was going to go sweet leaf. That's great. Starter pack is awesome, but it's only going to get you through that first harvest. So, you know, you may want to end up uh, ordering a little bit more. You know, you can always get 15% off with code DANKO15 at sweetleaf.com. So that could save you some money too. Um, As for uh, feeding, do you mix all the nutrients together for a time period in a separate water container? and add to the plant with additional water or just water and nutrients mixed in. I'm having trouble quite understanding what you mean, but for me, what I would do is have one large container, depending on, okay, you're only growing, uh, let's see, in a three by three tent and two plants. So you may wanna do uh, something like, you know, a gallon or two gallon container, uh, fill that container with water, just plain water. Let that water sit out overnight uh, just to sort of dissipate out any sort of chlorine or other chemicals that can be just released into the air by letting that water sit. Then add nutrients. So you could add your sweet leaf newts. Uh, if you're in the veg stage, um, you know, you add the veg newts and, and, and the uh, recommended additives. Then check the pH of that water. Make sure it's within the proper um, parameters. So if you're growing in promix, I would say any, anywhere between, you know, realistically 5.8 and 6.5, somewhere in there, you know, you want to aim for around 6.2. Uh, and then, you know, just make sure it's not too cold or too hot as well. Cause if it sits around on a cold floor, it's going to get too cold and it's going to shock your roots. If it's, you know, in a really warm room where it's 80 degrees or more, Uh, it's going to be too warm and it's going to potentially cause root rot. So, you know, make sure it's around 70 degrees or so. And then you pour it into your plants and you hand water and you will be fine. So that's to me how you mix newts. I'm not quite sure if you mean mixing them in, in the plant, you know, as you water them in. No, that's certainly not the case. You want to make, you want your nutrient solution to be, uh, you know, 
proper temperature, proper parts per million, and proper pH before you add it to your plants. All right. So uh, thank you, Matthew. We hope that helps. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. That was a, that was a supersized uh, Q&A section there. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like answered on this show, please do write us. Uh, that email is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we uh, take a quick break and then come back and end this episode? Let's do it. All right. Thank you for sticking around for the wrap. Here we are. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Check out Winstrong's new tune, Terpenes, and come back and tell us what you think. Um, thank you to Excelsior Extracts uh, for the sponsorship and their amazing THC-infused pain rub. Hope to see you guys uh, Saturday in Massachusetts at the golf tournament. Um, Vapor.com. You know, you can always use the code GBY for any of your vaporization needs uh, at vapor.com and you will save 15% on your order. Uh, Sweet Leaf, same thing. You can use the code DENKO15 uh, for 15% off any products at Sweet Leaf, S U I T E leaf.com. Um, yeah, great show. Thank you to the butterflies. Screw you, caterpillars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What do you think about you that, Mike? You can't, you, but you can't have one without the other, so it doesn't make sense. All right. Well, you know, just evolve. Get Become get, a butterfly. Get and, to it already. Evolve. Yes. yes, exactly. And and locusts can eat it, too. They oh, can, yeah. Yeah. Forget I'm that. on board with that one. <laughs> Freaking They locusts. don't really become anything beautiful anyway so far. No. And what's with cicadas? All right. Well, this is a discussion for another time. Exactly. I mean, every, everything plays a role, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's the natural food web. Indeed. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you guys, the listeners, without whom, uh, you know, we'd just be talking to each other. <laughs> and I That's hope you guys true. learn something. I hope you guys get nice and high um, and enjoy your cannabinoids. Make sure that your cannabinoid receptors in your body receive cannabinoids. Otherwise, you will be deficient in cannabinoids and that is uh not healthy for our bodies so fortify yourself well get said. super high what do you say should we wrap this one up yeah let's wrap this one up let's get a let's get a sponsor for this too let's get like a rolling paper sponsor we need we need somebody to, to sponsor the wrap so uh rolling paper companies get at us start bidding <laughs> we st- start the bidding Hey, man, thank you for listening to episode number 22. We'll be back next week with a lot more of Grow Bud Yourself.